0: This podcast is brought to you by Upcase. Want to become the sort of developer top rail shops like ThoughtBot fight over? Join Upcase today to get the pro training, insider knowledge, access to ThoughtBot developers, and a community of like-minded learners you need. Hone core skills like Vim, Tmux, Git, and Rails by visiting upcase.com slash halfoff to get 50% off your first month of Upcase. Let's get that junior out of your title and start leveling up today with Upcase so so i'm going in blind here this is yeah some, I'm, I'm i'm afraid i'm very afraid
1: you. hello uh, you're listening to tentative a show about uh digital product design i'm your co-host rather Lemedin, and with me is the amazing Kyle Fiedler. So last episode we talked about puppies and Oh cats. nice.
0: I I like puppies and cats.
1: <laughs> we talked about CSS. And at the end of the episode, I was talking about how I was using Flexbox and how actually it made uh some and things easier. How
0: Flexbox is cool.
1: Yeah. Did we <laughs> say that? I don't think we did. I don't we think Flexbox. Have. I don't think Flexbox is cool. It's fine, it's okay. <laughs> Man,
0: you are uh, a total, total downer.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah. And at the end, I said a lot of my designs tend to be very like vertical in, in nature, which meant that I don't need a lot of the advanced layout features. Uh, and that led us to talk about, wait for it, this is going to be a very fun episode because it's going to be me trying to pronounce this, this word correctly, homogenized web design. Oh, you got it on the first try. That wasn't
0: as... Yes. You, well, you actually, built that up and then just let me down.
1: No, actually, this I, I avoided the word that I have trouble with. The one that ends with T-I-O-N. That one I have more trouble with. Homogenized, I can say.
0: Oh, the drivelization?
1: Yeah, that one with <laughs> with that T-I-O-N is hard for me to... I, and I, I probably won't try that, but it will come P- out. Poor uh, sorry, dribble. Will, dribble gets
0: casted in a poor light because of how people use it.
1: Uh We're not going to talk about dribble per se, but about like how web design became very like homogenized because we just look at the same sources of inspiration and we end up making the same design over and over again yeah have Have you seen that there were a few tweets uh we should at least link to one of them it just showed a bunch of like uh landing pages of agencies branding agencies and web design agencies and they all look look the same if if you if you do the squint test you wouldn't tell which one is which have you seen that uh i think so i have feelings on this (laughs) yeah i know that's why i wanted to talk about it
0: it's just design in general goes through phases and if you look through any period of time in design All of the designs look very similar and you can't pick out one from another. Our graphic design, which I guess you could say that product design is a a branch or like we utilize graphic design. So like here we're talking a lot about visual design, right? Or or graphic design. If you've ever studied the history of graphic design, like there are set phases just like art, (laughs) which... I guess there there's a interesting line to be drawn between art and design and maybe that's another conversation for a different time. But yeah. their phases or trends or whatever you want to call them it's just more pronounced now because we have a lot more communication and because of applications like Dribbble and Found yeah. I like the extra Fs in there and like Behance and like the internet in general like we yeah. We're able to see other people's work a lot more, and therefore, people are copying. And there is also a lot more design now because of the internet than there was ever was before, which is certainly a good thing. But it, it, it it's fun to see the transition going from skeuomorphism to flat and labeling those those trends. But you could like if you go through design history, we've essentially already gone through that. That that same sequence of we are building up our designs too much. They're too ornate. They're, there's too much detail put in them. Let's strip everything back. And then like we stripped everything back, and then we're like, oh, the, this has lost its humanity. It's lost you know its personalization. Let's like start like that's a trend throughout history of design and art too of going back and forth between those two I guess poles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Those no, end zones. I, let's let's yeah. let's
1: American football. Those two end zones. I, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Uh so yeah, I I totally hear your point about like visual style evolving and going from one extreme to the other. But I would argue that we like you know the period where Flash was all the, the craze. I, I would argue that there was more creativity and difference back then than there is today. So like, let's do just a quick exercise. I say landing page. What, what is the first picture that comes to your mind? <laughs> the hero with the photo,
0: the large yeah. photo, some yeah. one, one sentence of text with a nice little
1: call to action below it. There you go. <laughs> uh, and the menu maybe like with four items and the logo <laughs> top left. Yeah. And it's, and, then and then below once it's, that, you have the the four up uh, features. Yeah. So <laughs> this is the problem that a lot of people are trying to point at is that, well, in flash sites, uh, we all had the loading screen, so that's for sure. But there was people got even creative in the loading screen itself. If you remember, like some people had like circles, some people like even had like video or some really like funny looking like animation and then like the websites had all sorts of like layouts some of them were vertical some horizontal and some of them like had no like circular like uh layout where stuff just keeps turning like the menu is a circle with (laughs) a a lot of like small uh like have you you looked at
0: my first website ever because that is totally what it
1: was no i didn't awesome (laughs) Did you make it in Flash or
0: just HTML? Oh, hell yeah, it was Flash. It I'm was surprised. Flash and it was one of those Flash sites that I made it it was it was like so progressive at the time. I I made the person it used JavaScript to open up a new window and the window was constrained to a like specific size so you couldn't like alter the size of the, <laughs> the window. <laughs>
1: obviously that was a luxury like everyone had the same yeah it's an in-app purchase (laughs) but the
0: i used a lot of circles
1: yeah and now it's really hard to find a landing page that that's shaped as a like you know a big circle uh you might find some you know some some like niche website So basically, if you find that, it's probably going to be part of what the website is trying to be. This is a website of circular menus sort of thing, whereas back then you could just go to like a restaurant... Uh, page and they have like a funny looking me- menu or uh, not not like men- food menu but like <laughs> navigation menu basically the loading screen was worth it because you were basically <laughs> uh... you, you, in the sense that it's like it's, it's like in a theater when, when they have like the curtains slide or, or roll up or whatever open and it's basically you're looking forward what this website is going to be is it going to have sound is it going to have video is it going to be interactive, like what sort of experience you, you, you're going to get. Whereas now it's, yeah, of course, um, um, I know where to look. I know it's going to have a menu here. And typically if you're on a product web page, you're looking for the pricing tab, if you are price sensitive or features tab, if you just want to compare that to other products. So things got a lot less like, you know, creative in a sense. And I hear the point that, some people are trying to make that we're just not being as creative as, as we were. Maybe we restrained ourselves too much. And as you said, maybe five years from now, or even less, you know, this like stuff evolves uh, a lot faster. So maybe like next year, or in two years, we will be doing all sorts of crazy animation with WebGL, or something like that, especially since a lot of these technologies are now becoming more and more like powerful and also more cross-browser compatible. So you might see more stuff done in SVG or WebGL or Canvas or whatever. Yeah,
0: I think some of those experiences, I remember Big Spaceship being one of them, of like creating these really unique and awesome Flash websites. But I also remember them being very like Hunt and peck and like it was meant to be something that you wanted to try and figure out i think if i had that now i would just get fed up and leave like
1: <laughs> you got too busy
0: <laughs> maybe or like my patience for that kind of thing is is gone if like the navigation system isn't clear to me or unless it's super like there's something in that website that i think is incredibly valuable to me i'm just going to leave it's the same thing with a blog or another website that throws as soon as i try to start reading an article they throw a oh do you want to sign up for my email newsletter and i will just close that window as opposed to like trying to like get out of it and then start reading it like that to me is poor user experience and maybe knowing your audience of whether they have the patience to deal with that kind of user experience, and, and when you can experiment, is good. Yeah. Um, my guess is there's probably some value in being homogenized and for people to know where they can find your pricing information and quickly sign up for your site.
1: It's a treasure hunt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, when, once you've found our sign up button, you've earned the right to use our product.
1: Yeah, I also agree with this point. It's like I don't have a clear like stance about this one. Like, Part of me says like, yeah, maybe we should try to be a little bit more creative. And part of me says, you know what, I think I don't want that because the closest thing we have right now to that is scroll jacking. And websites like uh, <coughs> Apple uses it uh, and there are, there are a few others, uh, they get me extremely irritated when I... Try to visit the page and I start scrolling, and like you know stuff is not following my 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 scroll, and there 's all this like animation going on. I just feel like i 'm not here for this; I am here to find information about this thing as fast as I can, uh, and you are forcing me to to go like to see this three d thing slowly like <laughs> you know come into like place and all of that it's a it feels like. As you said, I don't have the patience to see that stuff. Maybe if if it was like five, like, I don't know, 10 years ago, I would be totally fine with that. It's wow, it's cool. Look at this. You can do this on the web. That's amazing. Now I don't feel that anymore. And now I actually do feel that for things like, I don't know, maybe 3D, but only sometimes. Like when I see some really cool like 3D experiment and I would go, oh, nice, you can do this on the web but then like it's quickly, you know, becomes it's no longer a novelty after like you, you look at it a f- few times and then it becomes a hassle more than anything.
0: Right. I also see it as human nature to basically copy design. Like if you look in any other industry of uh, design industry, like they rampantly do this stuff. Look at computers, look at phones, like all the phones now at one point before the iPhone, they all look the same. And then after the iPhone, they all look the same as the iPhone. Right. If you look at computers, it's the same thing. If you look at books, like most books look fairly similar. (laughs) Anything that's designed is going to like come to a certain point where they're all going to look fairly similar. Or at least that's what I think.
1: So do you think like this is some sort of like natural selection like process where like for instance, Apple or, and other companies were trying to make a better smartphone and only Apple succeeded. So it's just like natural selection where more people will be copying what succeeded and not copying what did not. Is well, that- yeah,
0: because it's a lot easier to copy something that was very unique and out of, you know, basically out of the blue.
1: Well, uh, I, I don't think that's why people copied the iPhone. It's because it sold. It was selling like well, it, it was very potatoes. unique and out of the
0: blue, and then it sold and it was very successful.
1: Well, so, like,
0: uh, I imagine that that these landing pages are all very successful, and and people copy them because there's success tied to them, and there's a known quantity of success. Like, if you do something really crazy on your marketing page for your web application you could either do something really crazy and it might blow up and then people will start copying you or it will just never be like recognized or picked up and people won't sign up for your app and then eventually you'll fail. So like there's a huge risk in doing something new and creative like the iPhone was or, or some of the other things that Apple has done in the past. But like, I don't know. I think a lot of these styles are tied to a single person, like the first flat came from um what was that app for designers that like tracked your PSD files?
1: Um, it's no, no longer. Yeah, I, layers. No, it has layers in the name. Yeah. Um, uh, at yeah. any rate, there was it. Now. Was it? Yeah. Was it called Layers?
0: No, I don't remember. Yeah, at but I know. Rate,
1: what, I know what are you talking about.
0: Like someone will do something, and designers will see it as successful, and then they'll copy it because it, it's easier to copy something that was successful than try and come up with something successful on your own.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it's less risky, at least um, right. Maybe not easy, but less risky because you, you you just put yourself with everyone else, and if if it if it doesn't work, it doesn't work for everyone. But I think. I think uh, there is another thing that's quite important on the web versus like other things, like other creative areas, is that the web or like interfaces in general, they're about usability. And I, I personally think that there is something to gain from uh, homogenization. Wow, I, I'm getting good at this. <laughs> uh, yeah, from from that word I just said, and <laughs> the reason is. Uh, See, for instance, like, take a look at books. There are there are some things that are constant in a book. Like, you always open it from one specific side for a specific language, and it always has an intro or a preface and a glossary um, at the end If for some type of books. Uh, I mean, nonfiction books or, you know, technical books and, and like, page numbers uh, and how to turn the page. Like, all of these in- interactions... Like you don't, you you learn them once as a kid or as a toddler and then they stay with you forever. Whereas we don't have something like that on the web. Like each website, they put their navigation in a different, or at least they used to. Now it's a lot less, but it, it's still like you have to, to adapt to each website. Like the only thing that's common between them is that you click elements and something happens and you type keyboard and something happens, but... Other than that, especially now, well, actually now there are like two movements. On one hand, we have all the landing pages looking the same. But on the other hand, we have all these new like JavaScript apps that each one of them tries to reinvent the wheel. And these are like two two like movements that I feel like they're at the same time, they happen in the same company and in the same, like the same person builds both. And And I find that actually quite interesting. So for instance... I know on a landing page, I know where to look for features or where to look for pricing. Most of the time, for instance, like terms of use, you know pretty much if you have to scroll all the way down to the footer. It became like it's just something like you that, that you're that you expect that most like websites do. For instance, like a JavaScript app, full screen app, those they might implement different things that do not work from one to another. So I just had this yesterday. I forgot what app was it? But um, I I hit command F to find something on a web page expecting the browser like search box, but they have hijacked that. So they show you their own like search thing, which works similarly to command F, but not quite. And it really like it broke my my flow. Like I was I was concentrated on the task and all of a sudden I'm concentrated on their UI because like at first I hit Command F, and this is a popular web, like web app. I'm not, I can't remember exactly. Uh, don't think it's Slack. I don't know. I can't, I can't remember. But it, it's one that I use a lot, and I haven't had to use Command F before. But now that I did, I was, I was very like, what first? Wh- wh- what is happening? Why is the thing not, uh, you know, not showing up? The the Safari like search bar. And then I find that they have their own search thing and then I try to figure out how it works. Do I, do I have to press enter or does it search as I type? Does it show suggestions? Like how does this thing work? And basically I think that's that's the side that I don't like of not homogenous design uh, where like you have to figure out each website differently. So I feel like there are two like two things happen at the same time and i feel like they're a little bit like swapped like i would like to see more uh like homogenous interactions and maybe less homogenous visual designs like styles or like everything now just looks flat the same colors the same fonts mostly so i'd be more interested in having like something a little bit uh different but at the same time keeps the same like interaction principles and you know browser features that you you come to expect. I'm not sure if I'm communicating this well, but do you, do you understand a little bit what I'm trying to say here? Was it Google Docs? I don't. No, I don't think so. I haven't no. used Google Docs this week, but it, 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 Google it's Docs
0: different. does that. It it does for a second, like get you out of like, why is that that interface appearing here and not in another place? Why is it not doing the thing that I expect it to do? I agree with you that with that homogenization comes a bunch of benefits for users. Um, and we have to keep in mind that like we as tech people are on the forefront of, you know, using the web and we're using the web a lot more than probably most people um, to most people. The web probably looks like Google or Facebook, which both right. have s- somewhat similar interfaces to a certain point. There is only so much you can do when you're you're looking to to add in usability into that so one of the things that i keep on thinking about and maybe it's because of the apple watch but like how how different has watch design changed in the last 50 years like if you gathered together a bunch of different watches how different would they look and you did the same thing that that You know, that tweet did with landing pages, but with watches.
1: Yeah. Not much, I guess. (laughs) And that's
0: like 50 years worth of design. Yeah. Um, The most wild design there would be like what the Mickey Mouse Timex watch where Mickey's arms are pointing. Um, Other than that interface, like they all will look fairly similar. There will be minimalized ones, like ones with maybe just the hands. And then there's watches that like go like the other direction and add in things like date and time and have like millisecond timers in them and, and all sorts of other features. But But if you look at them, they all look the same.
1: Yeah. And do you think that the web is heading that way as well? Like at some point we will have almost everything looks pretty much the same. I think it's already headed in that direction. I think what we'll
0: see is there'll be styles that come and go. Like if we looked at the last 50 years, I'm sure like we would see styles come and go of watch faces. I should say I'm also only thinking of analog watches and not digital watches. Yeah, that's so the there's... problem
1: Cause like, <laughs> because like analog things, like physical things, there's just a limit to the amount of things we can do with them. And also a watch is a very, very like focused gadget or device. It's it's or, you know, uh, some ah. people call it an accessory like it's it, you use it to see time. That's some pretty much people it. use
0: it, though, as an yes. accessory of All right. this is right, I'm just right. using it for the look.
1: Yes. And you said some people. So those people (laughs) are just a small portion of of the vast majority who use a watch to actually see the time. Whereas a website, it could do a million things or uh, an app. It could be for watching movies or for reading uh, documents or for writing documents or for chatting or for doing, you know, it's just, there's an endless like, and also like technology changes a lot. Like, what what we call web today is definitely different from the web of five years ago, and it's definitely going to be different from the web of five years ahead. So I can't take something like watches and compare that to the web. In fact, the entire web might actually disappear at some point. Whereas watches, I don't think they will. Uh, at least from a point of view of like this is something that is worthy of, of collection. But you're not going to collect like websites or because like those things tend tend to disappear as soon as they. They're not useful anymore. You can still find them on uh, archive.org, Wayback Machine, but this is stuff that in constant like uh, movement and
0: yeah, that to me is the biggest shame. Of we are collecting like historical watch design and and poster design and all sorts of other graphic design work, but we've never really like at least I don't think we have. We've never gotten to a point where we're collecting websites to that same degree
1: No and I don't think that's something that I'm not happy with I mean there's a difference between collect like taking screenshots of a website and actually keeping the website around in some form and I guess the biggest issue is like security so if you take like flash gets patched almost every week, for like, serious security bugs. If you take the last like five years of security bugs that were added to Flash, it would probably mean that the version you were using five years ago was pretty much as if your, your computer was totally in the open, like anyone could do anything with it. And it's hard to keep that sort of stuff when you have like to deal with uh, versions and things like that. I feel like things like HTML would age better. Like, if you still keep the HTML site you had, uh, I don't know, like 10 years ago, it might still work, even if you were using tables and stuff. The only thing you might have probably have to remove are, like, all these IE, um, you know, those uh, those filters, IE filters to do all sorts of, like, crazy stuff, like uh, gradients and et cetera. But most of it would still work. I mean, it's... Whereas, like... Proprietary technologies like Flash, uh, or actually mostly Flash, because that's the one we used uh, a lot at some point. Uh, those are really hard to archive, and this is not a problem of just the web; it's a problem of a lot of other digital things. So there was like a lot of talk about like archiving video games, and that one also proves to be extremely hard because of the same problems. Like it's it's really hard to to keep. A lot of these things are proprietary software, so it's it's hard to do it legally. Uh, so that's why a lot of people re- re- like uh, resort to uh, emulation and things like that and i feel like the web also has the same problem to to a certain degree and also there's a, the other problem is that the size of the web is just humongous and for <laughs> it's really hard to to do it really like archive.org is doing a great job but it's just the surface there are like millions of other things that are not indexed there or not archived Right, but
0: I think I think both challenges are super interesting, like archiving video games, especially games that have a community behind them,
1: oh yeah, absolutely so that one, yeah
0: when you when you lose that community, a lot of the life of the game goes away, right, so how yeah. do you capture the game so you need like the technology that the game was on? Um,
1: the servers too because that's also a big problem like if the server is shut down by the company because it doesn't make money some of the games are not even playable so and, and the source of that game is not available so you can't build like custom server like you can't build your own server and it's it's a big problem for for both I guess
0: and there's also like the essence of the game like I know right now like if you went back and played old Nintendo games on the Wii it's not nearly the same no. experience as playing it on a Nintendo on a like CRT t- TV or or yeah. whatever TV like you had for, and
1: for, like for one it doesn't feel satisfying to play to play those games without like blowing into the cartridge. It's just <laughs> it's just not right. You feel good when you spend some time blowing in that cartridge and then you put it in, in your into your console and start playing. It's a different experience. I agree. It's a very different experience. But at least being able to conserve some of these things for like future generations is important. Because like right now, when we talk about Flash websites, some of my listeners might have never seen a Flash website. And it's really <laughs> hard now to show them what these things looked like, because a lot of these websites are gone and Flash is in decline in general. So... This is like one of those things that it's really hard to show to future generations. You might show them screenshots and stuff, but it's not exactly the same experience of using i e to to visit flash websites it's that That's like you have to be using i e six in 1990, I don't know five, whatever, and then be visiting flash websites, although i I don't think that the the date is correct, but anyways, you get the idea.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I agree with you. Especially, I don't know how you would try and capture that now with the websites that we're building now, because they're meant to be displayed on all sorts of devices and all sorts of uses as well. Like the websites that were the applications that we're building, like they could be used at a desktop, they could be used on a mobile phone, they could be used on a mobile phone on the couch or an iPad or a tablet on the couch. Or they could be on a TV, they could be on... You have no idea, and so how do you, how do you capture that? And I think that gets back to the original topic that we had, which was what are some of the reasons why the design is being similar across multiple websites is because we're f- still trying to deal with the, the, the issue of like we're designing for so many different uses, Yeah. The
1: lowest, Uh, the lowest common denominator. Right. So
0: how do we, how do we have great design and still be able to design one thing for millions of applications? Like I could be using one of my apps on while I'm walking the dog, I could use it on my couch. I could use it while I'm sitting at my desk and each one of those situations, I have a different size screen, a different operating system. Yeah. Is certainly a challenge for us
1: yeah, for definitely. designing for the web. Yeah, definitely, because what, what Flash gave was all pixel perfection.
0: Right. Going back to my first website, yeah. I loaded it up in a certain size. Like it was the closest thing I could do to emulate a print piece. Right? Like I yeah. have these set dimensions and this is what you're looking at. And you can't use scale the, the browser any more or any less. And that was probably my thinking at the time, but it it certainly makes things a lot easier when you know constraints.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And I guess like anything, this has like the good side to it and a bad side. And right now I don't see myself as a person trying to change this because sometimes it, it just, it works for me as well. Like that a lot of websites look the same and I know what to expect from a website. Like if I hear you have a website, I have like an image of what that thing would be, and it's and when when I don't have to deal with things that take me out of the flow, then that's good because like your website doesn't surprise me, and it shouldn't if if you're selling servers or whatever i I wanna end up on your website I wanna see like what what like offers you have, what are your prices, your bandwidth et cetera that sort of stuff as quickly as possible, and if you have like some cool looking animation of rotating things. I don't know. It's just like wasting my my time. And One of the things that
0: that you just reminded me of is in college, we had these uh, senior thesis projects. And one person for their senior thesis, they redesigned packaging for toothpaste, right? When you go to buy toothpaste, you have an expectation of what the packaging will look like. Right. Or at least here in the U.S., you'll have an expectation of like, if I'm looking to buy Crest or Colgate or whatever big national brand, yeah. they're, they're going to have these colors and this kind of design: and, red,
1: red, blue, and and white.
0: Right, and then <laughs> if I'm looking for like more of a like organic, natural brand, yeah. like I have an expectation of what that toothpaste packaging will look like. Yeah, probably, you know? and <laughs> and so when you when you are able to set expectations like that. I think that's a really good thing. But so to get back to like this person, like redesigned one of those major brands and they used green and just green. And it was like a, not a neon green, but it was like a lime ish green. And it really like the packaging (laughs) was beautifully done and the type was awesome. But the color just was like, what on earth were you thinking? Like (laughs) no one wants green Teeth. I guess no one wants blue or red teeth either. <laughs> yeah, right. But <laughs> that's not that's
1: not the point. The point is that you associate those things with Colgate, for instance, and it becomes a brand. Like this is what I'm looking for. Uh, if I see a purple uh toothpaste, I probably not pick it right away because I'm not used to it or I'm not, you know, my senses just don't absorb that immediately. Yeah, I hear your point. But but before wrapping up, I'd like to bring up the the one word that we hear a lot as consultants or as uh, designers for hire, is uh, the wow effect. You know, like I, I want my page to pop, or uh, from clients uh, or stakeholders in general, like I want the page to pop, or I want to have that wow effect. Have you heard this before? Never. Really? <laughs> you, you must have I been working. <laughs> yeah. And whenever I hear this, my, my, I go immediately, I, I don't tell them that, but no. I don't need we don't need to wow the user. We need to give them what they want in terms of information or in terms of entertainment or if they're here to watch a movie, I'll just give them the movie. I don't want them to be looking at the UI and saying, "Wow, this looks amazing. Look at this drop down here, it's so smooth. Wow, look at all these colors." No, this is not what I envision when I think of 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 a website because it's utilitarian. And it's a thing you go to to do something. It's not like an art gallery where you just go in and you start looking around you. Right. The best designs get out
0: of the way. I think that's one of the reasons why Braun, those Braun products are, yeah. are very popular is because they get to the use very immediately and, and they remove a lot of the unnecessary elements. Um, Aren't
1: aren't those, like, Apple products as well?
0: Right. Johnny, I have just (laughs) copies.
1: No, uh, Apple products are in a weird, uh, like, spot, though, because sometimes they favor aesthetics to usability. And I, for one, can't use the Magic Mouse, not for an hour at most. Uh, I just find it extremely not user-friendly. I honestly, like, except for the
0: ergonomics of it, I think I really like... The Apple Mouse. It's the ergonomics of how it's made.
1: But if I remember correctly, you had this—you had that like piece the of plastic or tumor that you, you put on it, which basically just ruins the design. And this is—if Johnny Ive saw that, he would be extremely upset <laughs> because, like, you're not supposed to put a piece of plastic, an ugly piece of plastic, on top of that thing. Uh, are you still using that piece of plastic? Yep. See, so but uh, you I, could say the same without,
0: thing about like people who put cases on their iPhones, right? Sure.
1: No, I, I agree. And that that, that would upset uh, Johnny as well. But again, I'm speaking for Johnny as if I, I'm him. Maybe he has a different opinion. If you listen to this podcast, please let us know, Johnny. Uh, we would like to correct ourselves. But the idea is a lot of the Apple products favor aesthetics over like for the new MacBook. It has one port. And that's extremely like can be extremely limiting in some in some cases in a lot of cases like I need to charge but at the same time I just want to plug my uh, say my mouse if I don't use a Bluetooth mouse or I, I got some again uh, you might argue that those things are not as common or a lot of other things but still it's it's extremely uh, limited in terms of power as well because it needs to be as thin as possible but I hear your point when you mentioned the uh, the other brand you pronounce it as brawn. I, I used to say brown for some reason because it has the U, but... Uh, Specifically,
0: uh, it's the products that Dieter Rams designed. Yeah. And and that's, I believe, Johnny Ive takes a lot of inspiration from those products. Right. So I at the beginning, I mentioned dribble and dribblization of design. I, I think it's interesting the way that that community has evolved and how people use it. Like if you look at the popular stream, it's certainly like there are certain themes that you can pull from it. But if you look throughout Dribbble, there are a lot of different designers and design design types or illustrators or and so like there is a variety of style that you can look at yeah um, it might well, just not be on the popular page because
1: yeah but but dribble but dribble is uh dribble sucks <laughs> no dribble are uh no i I'm joking what I wanted to say is that dribble started as a thing for web and interaction designers, and today it's taken over by illustrators and typographers or type designers uh it's It's very rare to find a very popular interaction, like you might find it, but they're mostly like slanted screenshot with uh, animations done in after effect this is like the mostly like the trend in basically dribble to me now is no different than behance for i mean for better or for worse some people might like that and some people might not but i don't go to dribble to look at you know web design inspiration i just go to it sometimes to look at either like illustrations or to get inspired by some colors or you know something but it's no longer the place where you go to see, say, what's the latest trends in drop down design? Because you won't find those there. People no longer post their drop down designs. if they do, then it means it's something that is extremely elaborate than they've done in After Effect and they have polished hours on spent hours polishing on, on Photoshop or whatever. And that's typically not what I'm looking for.
0: Yeah, I think the for me, what what I used to like is is people used to post works in progress as opposed <laughs> to finished pieces. And yeah. now Dribbble is just all finished pieces. Good, good and luck. It, I think there is it's a not, good it's, balance. Wait, wait, wait.
1: It's not finished pieces. That's very wrong. It's <laughs> it's like conceptual things that will never happen. It's like, hey, here is a an app that might actually uh tell you the weather uh if it wants to, and it's this is the design. And <laughs> That thing will never happen because well, first the person is not working on it. They just wanna populate their dribble design with awesome things that gather likes. And yeah, so it's not really like uh finished versus unfinished. It's just conceptual all 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 the way. And I take th- I have issues with that personally, but again, I'm not you know, I mean I mean I don't use dribble as much as I used to because of that. And maybe a lot of people like it because of how it become like a place where I go and see uh illustrations and, and stuff. Um, yeah
0: again I think I think a lot of that reputation is from what is popular. Which I guess you can say is is part of the app and 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 that's part of the community. Um I think, I don't they, know, should
1: just, c- I think they should just I think there's a difference
0: them. between like the popular and if you look at recent and then the, the people that I've feel like i follow are a lot different as well but yeah but i don't know it's it's certainly like it's just a tool
1: that you should have in
0: your in your tool belt and
1: Uh, it's not a tool anymore to me it's more like a gallery it's a promotion tool yeah it's all right yeah well if you say it's a promotion tool then yes i use it for that specific purpose now marketing and promotion i don't use it for anything else
0: right and that's what it's turned into it went from something where you post what you're working on for feedback, and, and now it's turned into something that's marketing and promotion and almost yeah. a stand in for portfolio. sometime.
1: Yeah, it's a bit sad because I remember Forest, which used to, to be the Dribbble uh, like competitor, used to be about feedback and used to, a lot of its features favorited like feedback uh, over like, just like popularity and things like that. And that didn't really succeed because of that. I think people are attracted to things that make them feel famous or that make give them a chance to, you know, have more exposure. Uh, I feel like that's why things like Twitter and Ribble work really well or Instagram because um, people are not really interested in feedback as much as they're interested in, in like other people, acknowledging their work and praising them for it. I, I think it's just, this is how humans work, and these services just adapt, I guess, to the market. Because like, if the market of providing feedback was more popular, then we would have a lot more services that do that. And we have a few of them, but they're not even remotely as popular as, uh, as Dribble. And we should probably talk about this in a separate episode, like tools to provide feedback. Like, we um, already did a whole episode on feedback. But, but we did feedback in general, like not like visual feedback and tools uh. that we use for that. Uh, and um, just before closing I would like to recommend the Behance app on Apple TV it's pretty nice I installed it I think a couple of days ago and it's it's actually it's interesting because those apps you wouldn't think that they would fit on a TV but I find it that actually this is exactly what I want uh, as a non-video like video app on TV it's just it shows you choose category like whatever type of design you want typography or or a fashion design or graphic design. And it just it's basically like a wallpaper, uh an a, a dynamic wall. So it keeps like changing the shot every like number of seconds. Um, and it's it's actually pretty good for inspiration. Like I can just like turn it on for a while and do something and maybe switch categories a couple of times just to look at different things. I don't think the Apple TV right now I I'm not sure yet, but I don't think it allows you to override no i'm sure it doesn't allow you to to make like custom wallpapers for the system but you can make your app itself a wallpaper the only issue i found is that if you leave it for a while the actual wallpaper will take over but i think you can turn that off in the settings or something so i'll, I'll have to check that out it's really nice for just like, like putting a stream of like inspiration on your tv if you have a you know if you if you happen to work in your living room as as i do ah that's interesting.
0: Yeah, I don't think I would have a use for that. but You, you cool. don't
1: work in your living room?
0: I do not. Yeah, well, I work in our office, sometimes in my basement. <laughs> at well, any rate, it's been fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening. You can find our show notes at tentative.fm slash 18. You can tweet us at tentative.fm. You can email us at hosts at tentative.fm if you like the show. Please rate us on iTunes and tell all your friends about it too. Uh, even your moms and dads Thank you. and dads. Don't leave out the dads.
1: Bye.